Welcome back to the Extra Podcast. This is Paul Siemens here with you. I also have Andy Steiger. I'm present. Good to be here. Jeff Bucknam. Good to see you, Paul. Yeah, good to good be to heard. See you. This is episode 287, and we have with us a new entrant into our podcast uh, history here. Mm. His name is Matt Glezos. And if you don't know Matt, Matt, what do you what do you do here? Why are you here? Why am I here? And a part of our podcast. Not on the planet. Not not the big question why, just specifically. Because I could answer that too. Andy might want to know more philosophically things, but no, we're looking for more practical. What are you doing here? I am uh, the new campus pastor. Tri-City Church is going to be planting uh, September 2017. Awesome. And Northview is part of it, and so I'm here. Awesome. So when you say part of it... Mm -hmm. There are others involved. Correct. Who are they? They are Westside Church, uh, Vancouver, and Crossridge Church in Cloverdale. Right, and you've worked at both those places before. I have. Yeah. I'm currently still partially at Crossridge Church and was at Westside for five years before before doing this. So so some familiar, but Northview is an, becoming more familiar. Yeah. We're, we're, the, we're kind of new, new to you. Yes. Yeah. Um, Matt, can I just be the first to say that welcome, but not the first to say that. But <laughs> Thank you. No one thinks you're the first. No one's, you're like Eddie, the no, to say that one. no one's welcome me at all. So that's I'm finally <laughs> the first to say that your last name's fun to say, man. Thank you for Le- noticing. Glezos. Glezos. That's just fun. now. What what nationality is that? Like what what's your heritage on that? Yes, it's Greek, Greek heritage. Uh, my family comes from the island of Naxos. Are you serious? And like I- I'm serious. And there's actually a Glezos Tower on now on that island. On that island, no way. Um, I mean, a definition of a tower is a little bit like fluid. how big is that well, tower? Uh, you know, we don't. It's not really important how big the tower is. The fact wow. is that there is a tower, a Glezos Tower. It's about two stories tall. It's a two story. Two, well, yeah. that's how the Greeks do it. That's right. Back in the day, right? That was a tower. That was a big tower. That's that's right. If you stand and look how up, how old is this tower? Oh, this isn't a like, ruin. Like it's a, still there, so it's. I mean, everything in Greece is like what thousands of have years you been old. To Greece? I, I've been there once. Uh, visited the hometown Apirinthos. There were a lot of Matthew Glezoses. Glez, actually, the plural Glezai. The plural is Glezai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. We went back. That's where family comes from. Just on my father's side. So my mom's side were just. Have you ever seen the movie lost. My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yes. Did it make you laugh? It did. Yes, but in fact, my family is. And is that is that the like test for real Greekness? <laughs> Absolutely, like, it is. Yeah. If you, if you, so is if there you, another test? <laughs> that is I just think like for Australians. Have you heard the song? Do you like Greek salad? The down, the man I down do. Under? <laughs> Seriously, Greek salad. Is I thought it was back in the day. It was. Have you seen Crocodile Dundee? But oh anyway. yeah, that could be. Let's 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 quiz Matt on the different things that we would like to know about him from a Greek right ba- background. What do you think of Alexander the Great? Well, I thought Colin Farrell did a pretty good job in the movie. And so, oh, you mean the actual guy? The, the actual guy. Oh, the actual guy. I mean, he's one of our guys, right? Yeah, he, he conquered is. everything. He was, and, I mean, he was the guy. Right. He was the guy. Like in the history of Greece. Right. He might be the, the, the well, biggest Greek 
boss that there was. Right. And so for that, you know, we're glad that Good. he's on our team. Good. It was it was that, the Olympics, and mm-hmm. then the European uh, Soccer Championship in 2004. Right. I mean, since then, you know, we've had some financial Trouble. troubles, but I don't think that, t- I mean, you don't want to evaluate a whole no. people by just... No, weather. it's kind of funny now, though, in financial circles that uh, that that being Greek is not a positive thing. Mm. They'll say, well, we, you know, you don't want to, we I, could be like Greece. Right. I don't know yeah. if it was ever a hugely positive well, thing. Well, Alexander the Great was right. around. That's right. It was, yeah, it was quite good. positive. So yeah. how much Socrates do you know? Uh, not that much. Aristotle? Can you put Plato, bit. Socrates, and Aristotle in, in their rightful order? Uh, let's see. In Pla- terms of like chronology. Right. It, uh, Socrates, Plato was a, what, disciple of Socrates. Yes. And so, and then I think Aristotle came after. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And then, who was a disciple of Aristotle? Mm. Oh, mm. he's a trick one here. I, very famous, very famous disciple. Alexander the Great, buddy. There it is. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, I saw that. That was nicely uh-huh. done, Jeff. All mm. comes back to Alexander the Great. How That's do you feel about are... Hellenization, Matthew? Well, uh, in my own personal, like nowadays or back in the... <laughs> right now, I think it should happen more. I think we need to expand. Mm. Yeah, so... Do you like pita bread? I like pita bread. Uh, in fact, my family, one of my sort of uncles, he has an olive grove. We have. I have olive oil from... Wow. Yeah, but... Sadly, I don't enjoy olives, oh. and so that's oh, me uh, neither. That's a big thing. That uh, do you think opa is a good representation of Greek food? Um, at the risk of offending the good people at opa, I, it's it's okay, but okay. there are better. What's we the should best just... Greek food yeah. oh, that you yeah, have is this... had in the in the area? Well, like, you're gonna a... recommend a restaurant right, to, yeah. the, to the fine seven listeners. It used to be four, oh, yeah. but seven <laughs> listeners of our podcast, right? Where where would you go for Greek food in the Lower Mainland? Well, oh, I, I just know the Tri-Cities mostly. There was an Alekos uh, Taverna, which mm-hmm. I think has transitioned to a Mediterranean restaurant. So that's not pure. It is ta- that's on It's a taverna? Austin. Yes. That's, that a ta- the, that's a tavern. That's right. But mm-hmm. in the Greek. Okay. So, so the, well, okay. Yep. And then there's another one. It's actually called Socrates, which is pretty good. And I think... Where I wonder what one? Socrates would think of that. <laughs> That's his legacy. I mean, is, and is there a guy named lemon. Mykonos? Isn't everything every Greek restaurant named yeah. Mykonos? That's an, it's I an, believe that's an island. Yes, Mykonos. That's the Gosh. party island. Oh, and that's why it's named that. Right. There's a place in Abbotsford called the Greek Islands. That's pretty good. Mm. But I, I've that, eaten there. It's delicious. Yeah, it's very nice. It's yeah. Very nice. So nice. is uh, rendezvous. But you, also, you, also, you always have that question: Is this like how? Um, like the Greek restaurants that we have, are they like how you can't really find a really good Mexican place? Mm. You know, yeah. you know what I'm. They're all pretty. Uh, they're all pretty good Greek restaurants. It's not like have you ever found a really bad Greek restaurant? Usually they're uh, no, they're usually good. No, but I would just wondering how authentic again, I think they actually his, are. That's his point. I, what would be bad? Right. Yeah. Greek food's amazing. Yeah, Greek people really. are amazing. We yes. love having a Greek person sitting at this table right now. Well, I'm happy to bring a little more culture. You, uh, well, it's great. You have, absolutely, <laughs> clearly. Glezo. One more white, awesome. one more white European male, right, is uh, welcome here. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Right. This is what we need. Wow. Well, <laughs> awesome. I'm kidding. Yes. Please, I'm kidding. <laughs> we we are well aware that uh, that that we are not the most diverse bunch. Right. But you have added significant amounts of diversity already. Yeah. I'll do what I can. Good. Good. 
Thank you. So, so well, thanks you, for coming. You're, yeah. pl- you're planning your church in uh, in the next few weeks. Well, no, well the, we're having an information meeting on the 29th of January, and that's that's sort of a a pre-launch thing. What we're really hoping is that anyone who lives in the Tri-City areas who's not part of a church or has friends or family, that they would come to the meeting. We're we're looking to gather a team of people who are uh, going to help plant the church. So the plant is in September, but now we're beginning the process of of building a team, uh, starting to build culture. Uh, We, uh, by God's grace and, and Northview, has acquired a building there. So there's some mm. practical, like we're doing rentals, that sort of thing. But really the focus is is putting out the call uh, for those that are in the Tri-City area and see that the value, there's huge value in being the church where you live. Mm, and right. so instead of maybe maybe they're traveling a little ways here or there, or they just haven't found uh, a good local church, we're seeing, uh, we're putting out the call, putting out the vision, asking, we're going to ask people to pray about it. And then come back a month later and say, okay, uh, I'm in. Or or maybe for some people, given stage of life, they may just say, you know what, I'm going to be there in the fall, but but whatever reason, I, mm. I can't be there. That's okay, too. But really looking uh, for people to hear God's call in this. And if the Lord grants us the the desires of our heart, we would like to see this church planted in September mm. 2017. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So regular services mm-hmm. in September 2017. Yeah. That's great, great, man. Awesome, Matt. It's great to have you. Matt's going to be around, and he's going to join us in lots of our podcasts going forward. Great. Um, you know, to bring that right that that Mediterranean. domineering Mediterranean <laughs> fiscally fiscally conservative yeah let's say fair reckless attitude. Right. attitude to our uh, to our proceedings. Awesome. So, if you are a listener interested in Matt, what Matt's doing over in Poco, over with Tri City Church, right. uh, particularly if you live. Over in that area, if you live in Poco in the Tri City area, Pitt Meadows, Maple Ridge, even sure. have family there, um, and you or you have family there, yeah, let them know. 29th, go there, right? Uh, get to know, find out who Matt is, who his family is, and find out what the vision is for this church. It's yeah. it's a great Paul. You were part movement. of a church plant. You bet I was. You were uh, not not a paid part of the church plant. We're not the right. planter, but you were nope. one of the first elders of a, of a church plant in Squamish for a while. What you was bet. That, what yeah, was that we, like? were the, we were the first family to join. So Glenn Davies and his family moved up to Squamish. Uh, I didn't actually know he had moved up there yet, but I heard that this guy was coming up to plant a church, and uh, we, I was very interested in it because I was very interested in theology and eventually becoming a pastor. And so this excited me to hear this guy was coming. I gave him a phone call actually the day after he had a prayer meeting asking the Lord to send him a couple of families. And I didn't know he did that. So it was just an interesting way to see how the Lord worked there, uh, answering his prayer. And uh, yeah, so we called him and we joined up with the church plant uh, very shortly. Is that thereafter. a good experience for you? Yes. Being a part of a church plant? I think some people, you know, they think about the, the services and blessings of being part of an organized, already existing church. Mm-hmm. It is a bit of a challenge for them to think, oh, my goodness, uh, we would be uprooting our family. We would mm-hmm. be changing uh, our youth ministry, all, all that sort of stuff for for largely an unknown uh, thing. Yeah. But you found it to be a blessing. Very much so. Yeah. If you get to know the planter and the vision he has for the area and you buy in and you are willing to sacrifice time and energy and money towards it, uh, you honestly, it is very fulfilling and rewarding and spiritual growth will happen in your life and in your family's life. And mm-hmm. it is a fantastic, it is a fantastic thing to be involved with. Yeah. You wouldn't be where you are today. I don't think if that, if you'd not been there. You know, uh, probably not. 
Probably not. Yeah, the Lord, the Lord definitely used that experience to uh, draw me towards pastoral ministry even more and kind of push me more towards that. Because my, my original long-term plan was to be a pastor kind of after I retired from oh. TELUS, which was going to be, so I was going to take the early retirement at 55, have the pension and all that stuff. You can take an early retirement from TELUS yeah. at 55. If you've been there enough years in the union. You start at 18. Wow. When did you start? Uh, no, I only started at 20. Only. Eight. Yeah. I oh, think. That's... But if you need free uh, free but, cable yeah. or internet, uh, PCMens at yeah. Northview.org. <laughs> nice. He is very capable of coming to your home and <laughs> finagling those wires to make them work. That's right. just a little service we like to provide here at the Extra Podcast. Right. So yeah. helpful. <laughs> nice one, Jeff. So, um, continuing on, we're going to get to some topics here. We've we've start where we've been in this uh, series called Bling Bling, talking about money. This last week, the topic of the sermon was contentment, mm. learning contentment, even. So, Jeff, if, uh, you were the one who preached here in Abbotsford. I preached Sunday night too, as your preached over a mission, but preaching on contentment. Um, and you had, what were your two main points? The secret of contentment is Jesus and the secret of contentment is learned. Awesome. Those are my two main points. The, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I first of all, I, I don't hear a lot of, a lot of churches don't do series on money, mm-hmm. which is unless they're a prosperity church. <laughs> And they, or there's, unless, there's, unless all of a sudden there's a great need, right? And it's like one Sunday, right. Panic! And let me give let us money. Pull out Second Corinthians eight, and <laughs> right. uh, and which is great, but that's usually one of the only times that churches will will hear about it. And so, um, I think that a lot of people would have been surprised to show up to church and to have us preaching on Philippians four ten mm. to thirteen. Yeah, uh, mostly because I don't think a lot of people uh, have probably sat down and read the context of that passage all that much. First of Philippians, that's totally. one of the points I made in my sermon, is that Philippians 4.13 is one of the most off-misinterpreted mis- off <laughs> passages in uh-huh. the Bible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, it, in fact, the NIV does a great job trying to tr- ruin the mistranslation. This is a total sidebar that no one cares about, but I did. The, the NIV actually, uh, if you read the new NIV's um, translation of that passage, they, they change it from I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength to I can do this hmm. through Christ who gives me strength. And I think that's really helpful <laughs> uh, because what they're trying to do there is to link that text, Philippians 4.13, to what immediately precedes. So yeah. that you're reading it and you should be thinking, oh, I wonder what this is. So even though... Uh, it is not wrong or bad to translate it all things. Uh, it, it is a text with a context, and the context is all about money. That Paul's got he got he got money from them, and, but he's yeah. trying to give them. He steps back from the rece- re- the reception of the gift from this church and wants to say something about money generally. Mm-hmm. That actually, I don't need it. I mean, I it's great to have it, right? And it's also okay not to have it because what I really want and what I what I have and what gives me strength. Right is not myself, not uh, any self sufficiency I have through my finance or anything. It's it's Jesus. So I always, if I always have Jesus, I can live through any of the circumstances and be able to face them uh, actually pro- with joy, mm-hmm. which is the whole point of the Book of Philippians. Yeah, exactly. Right. So if you were now at the end of the at the end of your message, mm. you were talking about um, you talked about the importance of 
generosity. Yeah, radical generosity is the language that yeah. I use. Radical generosity uh, and being, so being content and being radically generous. So can you um, kind so, of go a little further on that? Because yeah, yeah. I, I was there Saturday night and, and uh, while it was in the sermon, it seemed like a quick part at the end. Yeah. So if I had to summarize the Bible's teaching on, on, uh, on money, I like we did the week prior, I would go to, to Proverbs chapter 30 mm-hmm. and say that this is a really good text. To be honest with you, that text or Paul's text in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, 17 to 19, I think, is the passage, is where I think actually you have words that are directly applicable to the rich uh, and how they should handle their money. So I think these are really great places. Both say very similar things. But um, all, most of the Bible's teaching draws on, on this man in the wilderness stuff that happened in Exodus 16. So the, da- the idea of daily bread, that mm-hmm. God gives this daily bread. And you ask yourself, well, why is God giving the daily bread? It's so that the people remain dependent upon him so that then when they go into the promised land, uh, they will have such practice and reliance on God and such an ability to have seen him provide for them and all – there, all this time, it became just an assumption that he would always show up every morning with the bread, right, quail in the evening, just every, all the time the Lord was providing. That when they faced other challenges, when they were in the, in the promised land, that that track record of God would, would draw them away from running away to idols to provide for them, right? Right. So what, I'm trying, what I was trying to argue or say is that I think that God has established um, – daily provision or our reliance upon him in a daily way as a training ground for us to rely on God in all the other ways in our lives. What I see before me in our culture, though, is people freaking out when we face all the other ways, all the challenges like health concerns or our kids going astray or, I mean, you name it, we're worried about all sorts of stuff. And I'm saying that our freak out level Okay, which is understandable on uh, to some degree, but the freakout level is exaggerated because we have very little practice trusting God, and we have very little practice trusting God because what God has instituted for us to rely on Him, namely our money. Okay, by being radically generous, we put ourselves in a situation where we have to see, oh, the Lord, the Lord's going to have to come through for us as a as a family to provide for the. I mean, we've extended ourselves in giving. Uh, to missionaries, to the church, in such a way that the Lord is actually going to have to come through, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, and then he comes through, and then it becomes regular. Okay, that's what I think, Paul, I think that's what's going on at the end of Philippians 4, when it's, God, Paul says, um, I, my, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ. He's basically saying, look, you guys are giving this money. God's always going to come through. Mm-hmm. He is. You gave me this gift. God's going to replace it. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. But the Lord will show you his faithfulness through your money through the risk faithful and faithy risk taking that you that you that you go about in your money so that in the other areas where you're actually freaked out because most people who come to the church they're, they're sitting there and they're listening they've got an issue they got a thing in their minds that they're freaked out by and it's like again their kids their health their mm-hmm. future their I have no idea yep. and I'm saying that you would be better served there if you had given more money away, which is the opposite of what everyone's telling right. you in the culture. The culture's saying, no, no, if you accumulate the money and you have enough insurance, all of your needs will be met, which is rubbish. Right. Like, it's so, interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Have you ever seen that where there, you often hear this teaching where, you know, they'll encourage you to give money to God, 
because he's going to give you even more back. So it's almost like this financial plan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you come across that? I have. I don't think that that's the, I mean, I, I've heard people even take Philippians 4 as that. Oh, see, you cannot give God, which is true. It is true. But you're, the reason you and I should give money is, so, is because, well, that's what, it's, that's what it's for, is to share, right? And it, it's, it's dangerous if we have too much of it. And so that we can see God provide for us all the time. If you have too much, if you have too much, you're not going to. You're, you're. If you have too much, you're ruining the opportunity that the Lord has to show you His faithfulness in this area, a faithfulness that you will need to depend upon in all sorts of other areas. Don't you think though there's this balancing balancing act between get you know faithfully giving, but at the same time being wise in how we steward our finances? You mean like actually saving yeah. so that you're when yeah. crisis comes, you're not yes hooped. So I, I I agree completely with you in in that regard. Um, so you don't want to be in a situation where, like, like neither poverty nor riches, right? Right. So you don't want to be in a position where you're you 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 need you need other people to constantly give you money, right? So I I yes, that's right. I don't think that's our problem. I actually think Luke twelve speaks more to us. So Luke twelve is the story of the rich fool. Guy comes up to Jesus, says to him, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus doesn't engage that. Instead says, oh, yeah, your life doesn't consist of the, of the abundance of your possessions. So in other words, uh, let me deal with the core issue here. Uh, not the fight you have with your brother. The issue is that you, you love money. He does too, but you love money. And that's why you're coming and you want me to solve this. Uh, let me tell you about a guy who loved money. And he tells the story of the rich fool, the guy who builds bigger barns. What should he have done, by the way, with the money, with the extra grain? Right, he has way too much. Given it. Yeah, well, yeah, they even a system in those days that you yeah. leave it for the gleaners. Gleaners, you leave yeah, it for exactly. those who are going to come through the fields yep. and take care. So he had the right number of barns. He <clears> was <throat> provided for through those number of barns, but instead of leaving it for others to have or giving it away, he ends up building more. And then he has this little speech where he says, I'm taking care, my soul is taken care of for the rest of my life, and I'm happy, and I'm, I, 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 so self-focused. And that the Lord comes and says, man, your life is required of you today. Yeah. Then who, who, how is this going to be helpful for you? Um, at Immediately following this, you, <laughs> you have Jesus kind of just wax eloquent. He just kind of launches into this, okay, so don't worry then what you should eat and what you should wear. So what he's, what he's doing, your father knows you have need of these things. He clothes the lilies of the field and the sparrows eat all the, you know, like he, seek first his kingdom, your righteous, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This passage is essentially saying, saying this, look, you should be radically generous with your money. You don't, 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 uh, don't hoard things. Don't, when you have too much, give it away. Just, just be between those poles, neither poverty nor riches. You should be in that kind of place where you don't need everybody else, but you also are in a place where you need to rely upon God for your future, and he will come through. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about the future, but that's what drives us to hoard. Do you know what's interesting? How many people I've talked to here at Northview that feel the call maybe to go into missions? And, and we've seen that where whole families will head over and they'll go to Ethiopia or whatever it might be, and they'll serve abroad. and. A lot of times you'll find that there's this fear to go. And the fear isn't about the ministry or the other culture. It's just how, you know, is God going to provide for me? And so I think that there's something to be said about what you're saying. When you get into a habit of living where you're relying on God, I think it puts you into a position where you're more willing to go and to, to serve because you're already 
uh, accustomed to God providing for you. Exactly. My my, what I hear when I say that, what I hear people do, and myself, but what I hear them do is, well, you don't want to rely on other people, though. And and that's kind of the question that we immediately. Well, you don't want to be in a situation where you're like, yes, absolutely. Again, neither poverty nor riches. But my honestly, I, I don't. I really don't think that we are in danger of poverty. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I, I some people might who are listening to you might be, but I, I, I'm thinking, how are you listening to me <laughs> right now? You're listening on a computer. You're listening on a phone. I mean, like I. I Poverty is not something that we in the West are really facing. It's tough for people in the West, I think, to appreciate that they're one of the ten percent wealthiest in the in the world. Right. So yeah. the, the the point I'm making is I, I don't stop using the threat of poverty as a rationale for why it is that you shouldn't listen to words toward the rich. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're rich. I'm rich. The words that you and I should be listening to are the rich words. When mm-hmm. when at the end of First Timothy, um, Paul tells Timothy, command the rich. That's us. Mm-hmm. Like we're richer than the rich that he was talking to. Yeah. So uh, what I'm saying is that I think that we need to recognize that a passage like Luke 12, for example, has a significant amount to say on the amount of insurance that we buy, the reasons right. why we buy it. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not suggesting we don't buy insurance. I have insurance. I think it's a valuable thing. But sometimes you can get to the idea that I, I am going to make sure – that I have every base covered for the future, every one, mm-hmm. because you know I don't want to be in a situation where such and such could happen or this could happen. Look, you're you're not an atheist, right? Yeah. Don't don't forego present giving to real present needs in favor of some possible future that probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. Especially since what you're saying is you're, you're actually shortchanging yourself in terms of the way God really wants to grow you, right? So right. it's not just a call to, which I think is what most people hear. Oh, yeah, there are those right. needs. I do need to get like there is that sort of I should be caring for. It's, it's right. people, you're shortchanging your own uh, yeah. growth in faith because you're putting yourself in a position yeah. where you don't have to trust. Right. The very thing that you that you are seeking by the accumulation of your wealth, which is contentment. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. Yes. Right. You want to be happy and not have to worry about anything. That very thing will be achieved by giving money away and trusting the one who actually does make you content. Yeah. Right. That you'll have Jesus. Yeah. And he will prove himself enough. I think there's a lot of Christians that, you know, both here, particularly in the West, I would say, because of the affluence, that you could go to them and ask them, do you trust in Jesus? And they would say yes. But then you go to their house and you see that they have like triple deadbolt locks and multiple life and multiple life insurance policies and an alarm and and you know just they're 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 overly protective of everything they have and they're hoarding money their bank account just keeps growing and growing but no 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 i've got to keep my i've got to i'm worried about this what if i lose that what if the stock market crashes what if that goes away and they and they put so much focus on protecting their things it's like okay so some how some does, of which is valuable so, sure but right like but I, I think you should your, have a dead bolt lock god uses dead yes, bolt locks sure. to deter the criminals sure <laughs> right but like the the two double dead bolt lock and then the chain right but you're as well, when you say triple you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm just making the point that i think I'm, that your emphasis there i'm putting words in your mouth but yes. i think your emphasis there is the triple right? yes it's, it's not it's not that we don't 
plan for the future. It's not that we don't save. It's not that we don't have insurance. Yes. It's not that. It's that we become obsessive and right. overboard. Yes. By triple deadbolt locks. Yes. Every kind of insurance. Yes. And then we rationalize our lack of giving in the present. Yes. By saying, "Well, I have I, I mean, I have to take care of my future. I don't want to. Yes. I don't want to be poor in the future." And I. I that's where I want to say, okay. Exactly. There and are to, needs now. Yes. Right? And, and to God those, is God in the future, just like he's God now. Right. And to those people, I have to ask, like, okay, so if, if you say you trust in Christ with your life, you say you've, you've, you totally trust in him, and yet your life just doesn't show any fruit of trusting him, then where, where does your spiritual connect to your practical? Because our spiritual life should be feeding our regular day-to-day lives. It's not just something that we mentally ascend to. This is something that we live out. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we are averse to wanting to trust God. I mean, I, I count myself as the first among those who, yeah. who do that, right? My temptation is to, to I do worry. I worry about, I mean, I've got three kids. Oh, Matt, you've oh, got man. five. Man, I don't know how you're going to make it. I'm worrying right now. Dude, <laughs> but, but you know I, what I mean? I you think, start thinking about the future and all that. Well, especially... I mean, that's really where the rubber hits the road in terms of our heart in this for parents, right? How is it that you govern your family? What is it that you're, you're hoping for for your children? Are you demonstrating uh, a sense of, man, it, you know, dad's happy, mom's happy when, uh, when the finances are good? Do, do the kids see a lot of, uh, you know, stressed out about that? And I mean, you know, I'm not at that stage yet where my uh, boys are, are figuring out you know, what God wants them to do with their life. But what happens when your son or daughter decide wants to go into missions? What happens when they want to put themselves in a place where they're far from you? Like, are there, is, is our contentment, right. uh, how, how does that transfer this, this godly contentment? Do we, are we willing to also trust God with our children, right. with those things that right. are dear to us and say, even in that Lord, I want, and I want right. to pass down that radical. So, so the, the, to the level that you practice it in the quiet moments, it mm-hmm. is to that level you will practice it in the larger ones. That, mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, is mm-hmm. that by removing the quiet you know, day-to-day, hey, I could give this money away to the Lord, or I could hoard it. Uh, by hoarding it, I am removing from myself the opportunity that right. later on in my life I would have developed a, actually a skill <laughs> to say the Lord is good and he will take care of me because he always has. Mm-hmm. That's the learned part of it. Right. That's yeah. my point is that it's learned, but we're, we're not learning it. It's not just going to happen because we're choosing not to learn it. And there are some places, like we're saying the difference between the, the West and there are other places where you learn it. You don't have choice, but to learn it. Right. Totally. And so that's why for like, if you were preaching this somewhere else, you wouldn't make, you wouldn't have to make that second point. It would just be there. But for us, we, we have, there's, it's very possible that we will not learn. In fact, if we do, if we're not intentional about it, we won't learn it. I think that's probably fair to say in our Right. I mean, if you think of you think of Paul learning contentment, you think of his ministry going from city to city, getting beaten up and left for dead and then being chained up in a prison and then, you know, just facing opposition after opposition. His his so-called brothers as the Jews just consistently pushing against him and wanting him dead, ambushing him in Jerusalem and stuff. Right. And then he goes to Rome and he gets in jail and he's talking about, yeah, I've learned to be content in all things Mm. like for us. We, we hear that and it's just like, well, if we think about the context, like would our first thing, if we think about put ourselves in his shoes, would our first thing to be say, to, to say, I've learned to be content in all things. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, hopefully we would, but probably most of us would go, oh man, I can't believe he's saying he's actually content when he's had that kind of life. And the other surprise for me in the passage is that there's a secret to being content with plenty. Hmm. I think the first part we would say, oh yeah, I want to know that that must be really tough, but mm-hmm. we, we don't, we don't think there's any secret. Of course you're content. You have, it's the same you, you secret. have lots, but it's, it's the you same also secret in both. That, yeah, that I can totally. Do, I can do all things, or I can I can do all this. I can live in all both these states through Christ who gives me strength. The point yeah. is that I don't put my hope in wealth, right? But by hope, I put my hope in God, which is what Paul's going to say when he gets to the end of First Timothy, right? That command the rich not to put their hope in wealth, which is so fleeting, but hope in God, and and that. So how how does a rich person live? Uh, they have to deliberately choose not to love their wealth, not to trust their wealth. And again, I, I'm telling you mm-hmm. that the practical outworking of that is not just a mental framework. It is a, right, well, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put into action that belief by being radically generous. I'm going to look for opportunities to give. Don't you think that this is well, and Paul talks about this, I think of like 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, where he's constantly changing your perspective, that you're not, you know, your your perspective isn't on this life, you know, what what can you accumulate now, but keeping your focus on on the life to come, that that eternity is waiting. Mm-hmm. And Paul constantly brings us back to this idea that our hope is in Jesus because he defeated death, right. and that in him we have eternal life. Yeah, well, think about that language, right? First, First Timothy six. Uh, don't tell, command the rich not to put their hope in wealth, which is fleeting, but to put your hope in God, which is what? Not, not, not fleeting. 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 So it's transient wealth. I mean, seriously, how many people do you know who've lear- learned that? Mm-hmm. I mean, all you had to do is live through the 2008, you know, recession or some guy who's had this massive business boom and all of a sudden has nothing. Because the, the market turned or maybe your, your life situation changed, that you lost your job and you went from being somebody who could afford a whole bunch of things to, to nothing, that, that you shouldn't hope in wealth. It doesn't do it. It, it flatters to mm-hmm. deceive there, though, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you start thinking to yourself when you have a lot of money, well, there's nothing really that's going to that right, change that. And, and so those things you mentioned are oftentimes God's grace yes. in our lives that we don't see and especially like you're saying if you haven't pursued that mindset you will never see that as well not never but in the moment you won't see it as god's grace and yet it is because he's he's revealing to you that which you hopefully should have known all of a sudden you don't have right you think about the language of the old testament where god's called a jealous god right and god's jealousy is for for our benefit for the Mm. benefit of those who are his Mm. because he's jealous because he he knows that there's nothing else out there that is going to meet your needs like he he can so he he goes i mean he goes to arms against the idols mm-hmm. and he rips them away which of course from our point of view because we're attached to them we just learn we get mad this is horrible what are you doing god and god's saying well i, I i'm i'm doing jealous stuff for you I love for you. you because i love you and yeah. i know that you'll never be fulfilled with that stuff mm-hmm. it reminds me of uh, the rich young the rich young ruler that uh that we read about, and I believe it's Mark. By the way, do we know he's young? That's a good I question. Think, I think we, we are, call it that. I just think it's interesting. We're taking two parables and putting them together. There's yeah. the the young man, and then there's yeah. the rich ruler. 
Yeah, no, and I, we call him really strong young ruler, and I, I totally, and he might have been young. I just have always wondered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's a good question. Anyway, but he's the rich ruler comes in, he asks he's Jesus. Rich. Yeah, right. he he wants he wants eternal life, mm. and and uh, Jesus, you know, first of all, he calls him good teacher. And Jesus, you know, says, well, why do you call me good? And yeah, I know you're going to reject what I'm going to say in a minute. <laughs> so <laughs> I, thought, I always thought that was an interesting, you know, story, though, that he tells about, you know, the young man or the this guy, this rich ruler wants to know, you know, what you do. He says, listen, I got all the Ten Commandments down. I've been doing this. I've been doing this. And he's like, great. There's just this one thing. You know, it always reminds me of kind of, you know, our, our house. We clean it up, but we've got that one room, yeah. right, that we just don't want you to go there. And he's like, listen, look at all these rooms. And Jesus is like, it's great, but there's just that one room. And uh, and he says, go give everything you away, you know, away to the poor and come back and follow me. Yep. And it was interesting to me when you read that because it says, and Jesus loved him Yeah. when you read that. Yeah, one of the, I think it's, I, th- I want to say it's Matthew's version or Mark. One of the two of them adds that line. Yeah, he loves doesn't him. have that. But yeah, it's, he's right though. But ultimately he what he's him doing. Loved him. Yeah, and what he's doing is he's calling out his idol. Mm. I think a lot of people misread mm-hmm. that and think, yeah. oh, Jesus wants you to give every, all of your money away. No, you yeah. wanted this guy to give his money away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he wants was, you to give all your idols away. Because it was an idol to him. And That's he knew right. it. Right. And so he said, I mean, yeah, I've said that before. Like the guy would, he, he lists the the commandments that he lists are the are the second half of the Decalogue, the ten. Okay, so Jesus goes to the first, right? Which you could argue all the other commandments are built upon. You should have no other god before me, right? It's a it's a it's a commandment about idolatry. Mm-hmm. Jesus basically says, oh well, yeah, you might have kept those back ones, but let me just let me just go to number one here, <laughs> and uh, what? Who's your god? See, because. If you go and you sell your stuff and give all the money to the poor, then I know, I know who your God is. It's, it's, it's me. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't do it. It's interesting about that passage. Jesus follows it and talks about how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom. And then at the end, P- Peter comes and says, oh my gosh, we've given everything mm-hmm. to follow you. What about us? Like if the rich can't make it. Well, yeah, what, if the rich can't make it, like what? Which in that culture, they all viewed the rich as being, uh, the, the, you know, that was a sign of God's Right, God's I, kindness listen. on you is being yeah. having money, and so if you're if you're rich, you, you're a good guy. That's one of the reasons why why in order to gain entrance into the Sanhedrin or the Jewish uh, ruling council, you had to have a certain kind of financial means. We do it today, by the way. I mean, who's on the boards? Right. right. Oh, totally. That got the ones who God is with, and how do you know God's with them? Well, they've got their their ducks in a row, man. They've got their business in order. But then Peter says this, well, if they can't even be saved and they have all the evidences that they're going to be saved because, you know, they got all the stuff. What about us? We give every, everything. And great, great end. Uh, Jesus basically says uh, you'll get it all back in a thousand, a hundred times more in the church. Mm-hmm. Brothers, sisters, houses. You, uh, the church actually will be the place where you your care to a huge statement, which of course in Acts is what happens mm-hmm. that these people who have lands, they end up selling them and giving for those who have need, which is the thing yeah. that Paul appeals to when he comes to the church in Corinth saying, look, the church is in Macedonia. Get it. You guys don't get it. I want you to recognize that God has blessed you in this present moment, that you might be a blessing to them, that there might be fairness is the language that he uses there. Yeah. You see how all these things weave together. It's interesting. It's by the way, it's in Mark chapter chapter ten. Yeah. For those of you who want to read that, uh, it's interesting because I like that part. Always interested me where the disciples are like, man, who who can be saved, right? Like there's just yeah. I, I think even for that, like they were like, this is this is going to be too difficult. Yeah. Rich people have a hard time being saved. Just think about. 
Sorry, mm-hmm. think about that. No, and so what yeah. does Jesus say? Well, he says what's impossible with God is uh, no, oh, yeah, sorry, what's, impo- what's impossible for man is possible with God, and right. and ultimately this is going to lead to uh, the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is, as I see this, I mean, it's interesting. I was meeting with a young girl uh, not too long ago. She came up to me and said, man, she said, Andy, I want to become a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. But I, it, I kid you not, this is how she said it, but I got too much sin in my life. I got all these things that I'm trying to, to resolve and get over. You know, I've got all these idols I'm trying to fix, but I just can't. And, and she, she had this idea that she's got to get rid of all these before she can come to Jesus. And I was explaining to her, no, no, listen, you got to come to Jesus because this is impossible with you, but it is possible with God through grace, through um, the gospel. Jesus has defeated death. He's defeated evil on your behalf. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that because we're talking about the rich ruler here, mm-hmm. that that commitment will show itself up in a particular attitude toward, toward the sin and toward the idolatry. That's, that's the pressing piece for the rich ruler. Is that look? You, you say that you're a believer. You say that you're somebody who's 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 following God, right? Keeping the commandments. But let's just put that to the test. So, yeah, I agree. I agree whole wholehearted with you that yes, we we come to faith uh, by grace through faith and not of works, but our but our salvation is proven in our attitude toward these things. Okay, it's not earned; it's demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Right? right, what Grace do you love? Up. Yeah, and that's what this problem with this guy was. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the end, and that's what you see in the flip side with Zacchaeus. Right, and they put Luke's so funny because he puts these passages together. Right, essentially, he's split by only a few verses, and then you get Zacchaeus who he shows up, and there's, I mean, he's just, he's just thrilled to. Joyful, and he's a he's the opposite. He's he's not keeping the commandments, right? Not at all, yeah. right? <clears throat> and I think that's one of those things, though, that we've got to be thinking about and having an eye on in our lives. What are those things that I love, and and how are they affecting my relationship with God? Are they keeping me mm-hmm. from Him? Because I think some people are like, oh, I don't got any idols, you know, I don't got anything that's you know taking you know keeping my attention. Yeah. And then all of a sudden something happens, you're like... That line Ooh. itself it probably proves that you're your own idol there. Just because it's a pretty prideful thing to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not me. Nope, not me. I got it sorted and got it under control. Uh, yeah, the challenge with everybody, Augustine said it years and years and years and years ago, right? We, we have disordered loves. We love the right things too little and the wrong things too much. And rightly ordered loves. It means that you can love other things besides God, just not as much as God. Right, mm-hmm. and they 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 exist under His sovereign hand and in His in His control and order, right? So I love my wife, right, the way that God wants me to love her mm-hmm. because He He's ultimately the greatest thing. Yeah, Amen. Well, boys, that about takes up our time. Didn't actually get to any questions, but that's okay. Yeah, we, we did. You asked a, a question. Yeah, it was it was a question about the sermon, yeah. but. Next week, we'll get to some more of your questions that you've emailed in. So if you have any more questions, please feel free to send them to extra at northview.org. Matt, mm. thanks for being here. Pleasure. Pleasure. You're going to come back, you. right? We're going to come back. Attaboy. Awesome. Big work. And take this uh, as your benediction, which we used from uh, the weekend, uh, which goes, it's right at the end of Philippians 4. But to Given to a church that had just given the gift to Paul. Yes. So this is these are words used. Paul is giving a guarantee to those who are generous, radically generous. Yes. And he says? He says, And my God will supply every need of yours 
according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.